0: But when I, you know, get in trouble, I'll just say, "Hey, Paul
1: Gibbs, okay? (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's his fault." So So. basically,
1: you'll you'll be my wife then, because that's basically what she does most of the time. (laughs) Is your wife's name Karen by chance? No, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was worried about earlier on.
2: Just, you just, hey Zach, welcome to Bros Bibles and Beer. Thanks, Jeff. That's nice. <clears throat> it's nice to be to feel welcome in my house. And
0: <laughs> you're never welcomed. Why? Well, don't put it that way. <sighs> I mean, nobody ever has to welcome you because we usually are at your house, and this is our podcast minus Scott. Because
2: Scott's off the reservation. It's official, everyone. He could be homeless. <laughs> Actually, I think he is homeless, technically. We call it houseless. He did get a camper shell for the back of his new truck that he got. Are you serious? And he's going to get a carpet mat to put back there. And wait, th-
0: wait a second. This is all true?
2: Yes. I'm not making this up. Oh, oh my goodness. He got a camp, It's Well, it's not like a camper shell. It's just like a cover, like a shell. So it's not like huge. Enough, huge
0: enough for one man.
2: One man. Maybe a partner that's brave. Okay. If he meets anyone on the PCT trail. That's but right. he he is going to his house just closed. Escrow. He has standing offers to stay at this house. We do have a room. Uh you have a camper. Motorhome, sorry. Jeff has a motorhome. Someone's living in it right now. Okay. So that's off off the table. And then we have a friend that's in a very exclusive neighborhood with lots of bedrooms that has an offer for him to stay there as well. But knowing Scott enough and knowing how little self confidence he has, he'll probably take none of those offers and he'll be in a Walmart parking lot, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it does make it easy when you wake up, just as long as it's a twenty four hour. The mega WalMarts just get up whenever, walk in, and yeah, you know, buy a banana. Yeah, a banana, some
2: granola, granola. Grab a cup of coffee. They have coffee at Walmart, do they?
0: In the big ones, they got
2: to. Well, there's probably a McDonald's nearby.
0: There's probably McDonald's inside, along do- with the subway. Yeah, actually, there 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 are uh, there are McDonald's in WalMarts. And uh, that's probably that's probably true. There's
2: McDonald's in Walmart. Yes, come out, come out to where I work. Yeah, you know when you're in South Orange County in this bubble. Hello, hello, Lady Lisa. When you are in South Orange County um in this in this bubble we're in it's easy to kind of look down on Walmart and because there's so many nice things like Target like Target well we call it Target here
0: right it's French bitch um what else is in this community that we're just like we've got it and There and was we don't. Kohl's. Coles
2: but Coles closed down right Kohl's was saving too much money for people, dude. Do you remember? Did you ever shop at Kohl's? No. You go in to buy a pair of shoes and a cup, a sock, maybe some candles because I'm that kind of guy. And scented when you're, of course, when you're leaving, soy candles though. Oh. I don't want to breathe in breathe in the carcinogens, Jeff. Okay. But you leave, they're like, "Congratulations, you saved four hundred and forty-two dollars <laughs> because everything is marked up so much." Maybe that's why they're out of business. So. But anyways, Walmart and McDonald's, man. Can you, putting those two things together, it's a complicated picture. But you can get a lot for a little. That's a
0: super sized me trip. Yeah. Good luck, Scott. Hey, safe travels, and we love you. Yeah? Question
2: mark. Hopefully, you'll be back. Well, wait. I don't think he's leaving. Actually. Oh. Uh. I mean, oh, for a second it was like good. He was going to be gone gone. Thank goodness. He might be gone for all we know. It's training. He he's, hasn't quit his job yet, which is another thing he's talked about.
0: that's a telltale sign that he's he's staying.
2: Yeah I and I was talking to I was at soccer practice yesterday and talking to a mutual friend of Jeff, Scott and myself, and he just kept saying, "What why? Why?" When we were talking about Scott. Uh huh. Why selling the house? Right.
0: Why the new truck?
2: The new truck, and he's been talking about quitting his job. Right. There may be some kind of midlife crisis. All you're harassing him for not actually believing in Jesus may be affecting him, Jeff.
0: Well, I mean, if he just believed in Christ, then he wouldn't be
2: worried so much. Yeah. Cast your cares upon the Lord, Scott. That's a Bible verse. That's that's in the Bible. That and Bible's in our name. It's do you know what Bible verse that is?
0: Yeah. It's I, the one from the Bible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's Proverbs 33.
0: You know when Paul gets here, he'll be able to tell us. Uh, a
2: little little tease. We do have a guest. We I had a guy speak at our church, Jeff and my church. And um, Jeff and my church. It's not our church. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that <laughs> shit. But we love it. And this guy spoke and he's got this great... He's from Texas, so he's got an accent. It's great. Um, but he spoke on discipleship and kind of interesting... It sounded like there were some interesting angles that he didn't have time to get into mm-hmm. that maybe we can flesh out. He does
0: have several books. He is... He did have a book on discipleship. I think the other books... Were they not on that as well? or Or no, it was something about Something everywhere. No, I was
2: setting my fantasy football lineup.
0: Oh god. Are you serious? During church? Maybe. Oh, that's why you were you were right behind me. You were leaning forward. I'm like, I bet. I gotta
2: cover the screen. I bet. Oh, hey, what, do you feel hey, guilty? You're gonna be charged? I'm, yeah, I'm there two services. I can I can handle a little football preparation during the service if I'm there two services. Okay. You
0: could be ruining someone's moment. They could be. Just in the moment, capturing talking to God, they open their eyes, yeah, and they see you sliding Green Bay and the Steelers and the Bengals over, and they're like, "What's? Wait,
2: oh no, that's why I'm hunched oh, over. I forgot to set my lineup too. Yeah, I know, but I'm hunched over. Therefore, I'm trying to. I got big hands, Jeff. I'm so unlike big. Trump, uh. I got big hands. And so, uh, you know
0: what they say about big hands? Big feet, big gloves.
2: Yes. So I'm hunched over. You can't see my screen. Everybody uses the Bible app for their phones now instead of actual Bibles. All all they know is that I'm deep in the Word. Those I am people deep. are usually
0: those people are usually sitting upright because they don't feel guilty and they are just you know they want to sh- share that with their spouse yeah. as well. I hear what you're, where you're going. You're hunched over. I can see you over my right shoulder. Terrible and like, posture. He
2: is doing fantasy football right now. I know it. While well, listen to a guy with an accent talk about discipleship. For two services, Paul, if you listen to this retroactively, right now it's in the future, but eventually it's retroactive. <laughs> it's it's uh, time, time sharing, time travel, podcast time travel. Anyway. Welcome to the podcast time travel mm-hmm. machine. Paul speaking. Please know, Paul, I was listening hardcore <laughs> during at least one of the services. If not... Maybe more than one service.
0: Okay. No, to have to have the pastor not there, and you know he he's he knows he's walking into like uh, I don't know how many people are going to show up. Uh, you know everybody knows that that Todd the pastor is not there, and uh, I'll tell you what, within like thirty seconds, he's got everybody engaged and rolling a little bit of laughing, laughing. And, uh, yeah. that's pretty much what it was. Cause he has an accent. I was laughing. It was laughing.
2: No, but, but I mean, you're right. It was a solid talk plus accent equals he is the potter. We are the clay yeah. and he's molding us into his image.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I could stay here all day long, which is why I reached out and I'm like, Hey, you in town still?
2: Now he's coming to a stranger's house. Mm-hmm. He's never met me. Um, or me. Yeah, he's coming to a stranger's house. We have beer in the title, which I'm learning is actually controversial these days. Who knew? Everybody thought we were being edgy. We didn't think we were being edgy. But apparently we were edgy, bros, Bibles, and beer. Those mm-hmm. guys are edgy. They talk about things. That's what I hear. I hear that on the podcast Grapevine, Jeff. Where was the I?
0: Grapevine, we could have been bros, Bibles, and Jesus wine.
1: So I, saw, I was checking out your website, there's three of you. Yes.
0: Scott is on sabbatical. <laughs> he, We believe he sold his house, and he uh, got in it today and traveled to... A lake or a river to go fishing for four days, and oh, wow. we uh, we're not sure if he's in midlife crisis. Quit his job, made a little money on his house, and now he's just gonna <laughs> go hiking <laughs> somewhere.
1: I enjoyed it on Sunday. People are great, so it was great. Yeah, good,
0: we enjoyed it. It's why I I mean, not only do did I start taking a look at the books before service started um, for the nine o'clock, but then. When you got up there, I mean, 30 seconds, and I'm like, okay, I could be here for four or five hours. This is fine. Oh, cool. Um, Thank you. But yeah, you're very engaging. Obviously, you have a lot of practice on stage, and public speaking certainly pays off when you've got a congregation that doesn't know you. Yeah. Um, but your pictures of yourself as a boy were <laughs> precious.
1: <laughs> the, way you, the way you played around I'm glad one. it's a podcast now you don't, don't have to look at those pictures <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i um I worked out a while back that I think I preached around about 800 times before mm. I started to preach in church oh wow it's so like on the streets, all the schools of manchester really and so when you so then when you're preaching in church, it's actually pretty easy compared to you know you set your stall up on a street or a pub. Or in a school, and people are not there because they want to hear about Jesus. You've got to kind of connect with them. So when you then take that to church, it's it's kind of uh, so like Sunday was a breeze. It was great. I just really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, now I'm curious. You're talking about just setting up shop on the street. Yeah. What does that look like, and how did that happen?
1: So when I first started, um, so what happened was you know some of the stories. So I what I thought I was going to be a missionary. So I went to do some training in Scotland and long, short story was I felt God tell me to go back to Manchester. When I got back to Manchester, there was this witch, so a white witch. So she had an occult shop and you look like you want to ask me a
2: question. Oh, I'm just, no, a white witch. I was just thinking, oh, he's serious. A
1: real white witch. Yeah, yeah. And an occult shop. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, people think it's this is the start of a joke or something, but no, she was. I won't mention her name, but she was well known in the area, so she set up a um, a shop. We can so, call her Karen, <laughs> that's not your wife, is it? No, okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I'll do a good start. So, right. uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so to kind of publicize this shop, she she complained about a couple of pastors who were. Couple of times a year, going into the local schools. So local schools shut down, and um, I at that time I was went back came back to Manchester. Felt God called me back to Manchester. Didn't know what to do, and um, so I was just volunteering for my church. And then this local vicar said, "Hey, we got some kids who decided because the witch had shut down the schools, they had a baked bean eating contest in their schoolyard uh, just to get attention." And then they said to all their friends hey, something really weird's happened to us. If you want to come and find out what it is, we'll be meeting in this room in the school on Wednesday lunchtimes and they set up this Christian club. But they were about to go to college. So um, a, a, a pastor said, could you could you come and just lead this while these kids go to college? Because they've got like the biggest youth group in North Manchester and it's meeting in a school basically mm. at lunchtime. So But around that time, I started i get connected with some other guys who were going on the streets. So we would just just turn up on the streets and use visual aids to get attention, and then just three minutes.
2: What's an example something.
1: of a visual aid? Oh, all sorts. We would do we would do skits on the streets, and sometimes we would do. So one guy did this thing, which a lot of people say it's really old fashioned, but he did really well because he had a really good sense of humor. So he had this board. He put this board, got some newspaper, like clean paper before it'd been printed on, and ended. Have you ever seen a ladder writing? Ladder item. Have you ever seen it? It's like a really, it's like a Sunday school type thing you would do, uh, where you have boxes and you do like one paint stroke or two paint strokes, and it becomes a letter, and you build these words. Okay, so people are kind of guessing what you're going to do. Okay, okay. I so get it's, all, you. Bit, it's all based on suspense, mm-hmm. like know?
2: Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> right? Where the letters show
1: kind up of. and you have to guess.
2: Eventually. Yeah, that kind of principle. We yeah. did an analog version of that. Well,
0: we did something uh, a couple of years ago in our church where there was an artist up, and during the the message, she was actually he or she was actually painting, but you have no idea,
1: and then it just kind of came together at yeah. the very end. Exactly. Yeah, I think Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, said mm. the the key to entertainment is suspense. Mm-hmm. I think his 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 films, the Who Done It, you find out who did it no more than one minute before the end of the film. Mm. Um, so it was that basic idea. You get on the streets, do some kind of visual aid, get some suspense going, and then you kind of got you got people into your message. And it was tough sometimes, but it was good. It was very edgy. It was great. So speaking in church is yeah. fun, really, based on that, yeah. Did you ever find conflict when you were out, out no, and about? No, no, I didn't. Not very often, no. In schools, very rarely. Particularly, like, the... To be really honest, the more difficult people were the Christians like right? because the atheist teachers they basically just saw us as harmless and hey you're in here you talking about good values talking about Jesus don't really believe in Jesus, but kids are loving it where some of the Christian teachers were a little bit more nervous about the reputation stuff, mm. so we had uh, we had no problem we had when I first went back to my Old school, so I went to my old school. The first teacher I passed in the corridor had got me on the floor and kicked me in the head. Last time I saw him when I was at school, <laughs> so three years, three or four years later, maybe five years later, I'm walking back through the corridor. I remember just having an eye to eye with him, thinking you you can't remember me, but I remember you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then we we started this lunchtime club in the school in North Manchester, and um, it went really well. So it was an all boys school. So all these kids came, but half of the kids were Muslim. So the Christian teacher, who was a lovely lady, but she kind of panicked a little bit about what would happen. So she decided that we would do an after-school club because that meant that only the really serious ones, as she said, would come along. So we did an after-school one, and all but three of the kids that came were Muslim. Like all the kids that came back were Muslim kids. So it was interesting. So, And they were great, those kids. I think one thing I've learned is it's, you know... You never know who the people leading forward till you do it, Right. and you can't prejudge. So, yeah. Right.
2: What, what do you think is behind the Muslim, the fact that most of them are Muslim
1: and they come back? Do you have any I, guesses? I, yeah, my, my guess would be that they were, obviously religions a key part of who they are, and they're very authentic. They're very they are religious people, but I think they got wind of this more love-based, I think, more love-based, fun um way of connecting with God. I think that's what was happening. And they were intrigued by that, in my opinion. That seemed to be what was happening.
2: So you say love based, does that mean you weren't handing out turn or burn tracks or anything like that?
1: No, we weren't, oddly enough. No, we weren't. <laughs> so um yeah. So we approached the school in a different way and so when I started I, I started in nineteen eighty eight and um I think I told this story on Sunday, but basically I well, what what do you want me to tell tell that story? Oh, yeah, here? absolutely. So basically what happened was I was um I come back, thought it was gonna be a missionary, came back to Manchester, got this opportunity, did this lunchtime club. I'm looking around thinking, wow, there's like a thousand, five hundred, wherever it was, kids in the school. Lots of them are interested in, you know, we're doing these these like lunchtime clubs. Sometimes we get a hundred young people in in this try and cram them into this this um, room, and but there's like 20 young people in our churches. So I went to the education committee and just knocked on the door, said, hey, you know, give me your religious or personal and social education curriculum. I looked at it, realised I could teach six, or I could be a role model or a guinea pig for six of these subjects. And, um, and uh, yeah, they introduced me in the school. I think I said this on Sunday. My first introduction, I remember, was, well class. we've been looking at the myths that people believe in around the world. And uh, last week we looked at Noah and the Ark and this week we've got Paul Gibbs and he he actually believes it really happened. <laughs> so let's give him a round of applause. So, but I, I, that was a 40-minute lesson and within about 10 minutes they were asking me questions which led on to my testimony, how God healed me and all this other stuff. and um, And then basically next thing I know, I've got 17 different schools asking me to go in and um, and then for me, vision's more about problem solving. I think it's an awkward conversation with God. Um, so it wasn't long until I had some kids come up to me and said, um, "Hey," oh, they said, "Hey, because of your because of your lesson, we now allow these two guys to come into our house every week and tell us about Jesus." Wow. So I said, "Oh, that's great." I said, "What do they look like? Will they wear these blue suits and these backpacks?" So they were letting mm. the Mormons in because I was doing this thing. So I needed to connect them to, to what I would more consider better churches and um, it, relationships, it's all about relationships. Right. So I just recruited some people like me who were untrained, approached some churches and said, hey, if you can accommodate them, they can work in your youth group and then together as a team, we'll meet together, pray, we'll go into different schools because all the kids would come to me and say, how do we find out more about God or Jesus? And I would say, well, there's a local church around the corner from you. Right. And uh, I bet you can guess what the next question was. Can you guess? So if I came to your school when you were a kid and, and you were really interested and I yeah. said, there's a church around the corner from you and you knew me, your next question Are would be... Were you going to be there? Exactly, yeah. Will you, will you be there? Yeah. And I couldn't be in all these different places, so right. they weren't going to go. So I just recruited four other young people and we had some different churches that hosted them. And then when we went into these different schools, the different individuals would meet them outside the school gates and um, take them to church. It was cool. Wow.
2: Yeah. How old are
0: how old were uh a lot of the kids? Is this high school? Yeah, yeah. this okay. was public high schools okay. in Manchester, England. It's public high school. So we have so se- we have separation of church and state here. Yeah,
2: I was I was thinking about that. Like they have, you, think, they have curriculum, they have classes where they talk about is it more just like the literary aspect
1: behind religion or the Bible? or So we're, we're obviously now, you know, fast forward 25 years, we're in six continents around the world and every nation is different. But a lot of things are open to interpretation by the principles. So what separation of the state means right. is not always what people think it means. So what I found is you've got to, you've got, we have this... Um, and real quick, is that only...
0: Do you, is are how many countries do you, are there a lot of countries where there is this separation or is
1: it just the states yeah so um the states is the only one with the separation I think of um Canada depending on where you are can be very anti christianity going hmm. into schools you know um germany if you're not if you're not Lutheran or Catholic you're considered pretty much a sect. So Mountain View would be seen as a sect, almost cultish.
2: Oh, we kind of are. I mean,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, sorry. I lost my train of thought then. So it's well, the separation of church and state. And
2: I I feel like in America is probably misunderstood Mm -hmm. by most. And
0: I mean, you started talking about the, you know, you, you're now, um, in six continents. I kind of cut you off and I was you know, really focus on the United States with separation. But so you're now in, I mean, fast forward 25 years, you're now in six continents and how does that work?
1: Yes. Well, we, so what we found is without sounding too simplistic, the more you make it like Jesus, the more it works everywhere is basically what we found. Isn't that weird? (laughs) I
2: have I found that like, (laughs) I found, don't lose your train of thought, but I, I have a lot of people that I, I know that are that freak out about the culture moving away from Christianity or rejecting Christianity. And but I feel like if you peel back a couple layers, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that we're, they're rejecting asshole Christians as opposed to the message of of Jesus. Like I don't know anybody that would reject the actual pure
1: message of Jesus. It's yeah. more Christians that are kind of like doing battle or trying to battle the culture i think it's that, and i think sometimes it's the lordship i think popular religion is a religion where nobody's lord of your life where you still remain the boss Mm. and i think there's the element of lordship that is a real kicker yeah that's true yeah but yeah so um but what we found though is there's a lot of people leaning forward so i was reading luke 10 once and i I thought there was kind of this four-step method that Jesus had for mission. And when I started looking at what Paul adopted, so I call it spread, spot, stay, send. And this is how we get into schools. Back to your question.
2: Say that again, just a little bit slower.
1: Um, Spread, spot, stay, and send. All right. Awesome. So yeah, Jesus sends them out in Luke 10 and says, basically spread the word. So basically tell people what you're offering and don't decide in advance who's going to respond. Hence, they might be Muslims, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And then spot, those who are leaning forward, so don't chase or force those who are not interested. Mm-hmm. Just spot those who are, you know, and say peace to them and stay with them. So spread spot, stay. And then send them out to those who rejected you in the first place. So when it comes to school, we basically say to schools wherever it is in the world, hey, let's work on joint objectives. Let's let's see what we can do. So some schools, you know, you go into a you go into um, Africa and they want you to spread the gospel, get the kids filled with the spirit, whatever your denomination you are, and yeah. cast demons out of the kids, you know? You go to other nations and they're like, you can't even mention God, or at least they would say that. Mm. A generic everywhere we found is that if a young person asks you a question, I'm not saying you can say anything, but there's a lot more freedom. So you may, even in the harder area like, like America, or, and we're in California schools, you know, you may go in and talk about purpose or but if you can ask in a more, if you can teach in a more rabbinic fashion where you're using questions, not just answers, mm-hmm. and they start asking you questions, mm-hmm. you're provoking questions. Once they ask you a question, generally most schools are, hey, if the young person asks you a question, you're free to answer it. So if you're talking Subversive. about purpose. Oh yeah. Well, that would be like Jesus, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if you know if you're if you're talking about purpose or hope, I said and that actually, I gotta say I
2: said that word subversive and there was a little twinkle in Paul's eye. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is great. <laughs> I, yeah. So I'm a public school teacher.
0: Okay. Uh, I I teach sixth grade and so I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll with this even though I kind of already do. But when I, you know, get in trouble, I'll just say, hey, Paul Gibbs. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> It's his fault. So, so. basically you'll, you'll be my wife then because that's basically what she does most of the time.
2: <laughs> Is your wife's name Karen
1: by chance? No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was worried about
2: earlier on <laughs> for you. <laughs> Can you imagine if I nailed it? <clears throat> Karen was the That'd name. That been weird. Yeah. But you didn't move on. But I didn't, yeah, moving on. I'm just thinking about that. It would have been great. Um, man, and you mentioned, it, it kind of got glossed over, you mentioned getting healed.
1: What's up with that? Yeah, so I was born with eczema, and um, when I was thirteen, it went septic, which meant that I had yellow pus on my arms and legs. I remember a couple of nights asking my my mum to kind of tie me to the bed with my bandages so I wouldn't scratch because it got really bad. Oh. So sometimes I would get, in, I'd have to get into a bath to take my bandages bandages off because yeah. my skin would peel off when I took the oh, bandages. It was really bad. So we had this teacher who was really brave. We had two teachers in my school who taught religion, and one turned me off God and one turned me on. And the guy who turned me on to God um, advertised this this kind of, what we would now call a tent crusade. And it was a Wednesday to a Wednesday. And um, all week, boys were coming back from this place saying, we saw some really weird stuff. We saw people singing in the tents, and some of them had their hands raised. And it was weird, man. It was weird.
2: <laughs> Real edgy. It was
1: weird, yeah. Um, but then they said, but then we saw people getting healed, which really freaked them out. So some kids said to me, why don't you go, Paul? Because you're practically a cripple.
2: <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough.
1: So I went on the last night and um, so I'm there listening to this preacher and uh, I mean, some of you, you know, you would know this kind of, didn't really understand it. It was a week before my 14th birthday, but kind of felt something about it was true. And then the evangelist kind of tricked me. So he said, if you want to respond to this message, say this prayer. So I said the prayer. And then he said, if you um, have said the prayer, put your hand up. So I'm like, okay, so I'll put my hand up. And then he said, if you've put your hand up, stand up. And I thought, this is it. This is the last thing. So I stood up. I thought, no, nothing else. And then he said, if you stood up, we want you to come to the back. And I, this honest truth, I thought, I'm not going to go there. But there's this quite cute blonde and she went to the back and just then I kind of felt God call me. So, <laughs> so I kind of went to the back as well. And then uh, I got there and, uh, you know, they took me through what, what I now know is like the sinner's prayer type thing. And after they'd done that, I went back out. But of course the service had finished. So there was nobody getting prayed for, for I kind of missed it. And then um, I got a letter saying, Hey, um, I heard you gave your life to Jesus. We'd love to take you to church. Ring this number if you'd like a ride. Went to church. First message I heard was, you don't need a priest. Lived in a very Catholic area. You don't need a priest. You can just pray directly to Jesus. So I prayed and God healed me within nine days. Not only did the septic stuff go, but just the whole thing went. I've never struggled with oh eczema since. So, yeah. And my mum wasn't a professing Christian, but my mum's, um, she was a fantastic woman. and She was a nurse. And um, I remember her telling me, you know, that's, you know I don't understand it, but... 'cause the doctor I think the doctor said something like it would take six to nine months to clear up and it took nine days from what I remember. It was really quick. I yeah. got
0: goosebumps on the back of my head. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> cool. That's pretty amazing. Prayer
2: works. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, Absolutely. Yeah. All by yourself, you didn't need you didn't have any anybody of a, an in authority over you and <laughs> no. like
1: that. Shall by um, faith, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. S- so okay. So, with that, as you move forward into you know through your teenage years, um, you know are you I mean are you on fire? I mean you're you're a kid, you're oh, a teenager, so it's:
1: yeah, and that's a really good question. So I got saved a week before my fourteenth birthday. Um, I went straight into work after school, so I'm not very academic, so I went to work. kind of uh, all my friends from church left to go to college, whatever. Mm. So I just m- ended up with different, ma- different mates, different friends mm-hmm. and ended up just, um, kind of backsliding at the age of 18. Not really. I didn't lose my faith. I just wanted to do stuff. I shouldn't do. I ended up joining up. There was an infamous club in Manchester called the Hacienda. So I joined that club. I was into a particular style of kind of alternative music. So kind of by bands like joy division and. Don't mm-hmm. them, yeah. So, um, kind of Manchester music scene got involved, kind of backslid for three years and ended up in a... So I didn't want to go to church, so God couldn't tell me what to do, left home so my parents couldn't tell me what to do. Ended up in this big house and there was four apartments, as you'd say here, or flats, as we'd say. And there was me and a backslid and Christian in one. Opposite us, there were three very rich students. Above them, there was a Jehovah's Witness and... um, and uh, above me, the were three anarchists and a ferret. And a ferret? Yeah. And we had, like, all these arguments. and like, so What did the, the ferret believe in? I don't know, but he, he was, like, he was pretty strong on his beliefs, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to... I'm still
0: stuck on the backslidden Christian. I'm like, I want to start calling people out. Hey...
1: Slidden Christian, <laughs> just as a title, yeah. Well, it was me, me and my mate, and we were in this, this, and we were just like just gone away from God, you know. And and I was a was a hippie as well. Jehovah's Witness and a hippie, so we had all these arguments about the meaning of life. The the anarchists were also militant vegetarians, so they would go and they would bust up butcher shops, and you know, like the whole did you have yeah. that over here in the eighties, like oh, m- yeah. meat yeah. is yeah. murder? Oh or yeah, across, yeah. Well, it's
0: L- funny. I just there was a uh, license plate frame that said "meat is murder." There you go. I'm like. I'm going to buy some steak
2: and a hamburger right <laughs> yeah. now. Get out of here. Oh, that reminds me. I'm a hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah, go get some grass-fed beef. <laughs> so I, um, I, yeah, so I ended up, so that was a good question. So for three years, I was kind of backslid, as we'd say, in England. And I um, had uh, this weird experience on the top of the bus where three years later, so on my 21st birthday, somebody ordered some drugs and somebody just took an overdose and went into a coma which got me thinking about, is this where I'm, I want my life to go? Mm. And then I was I was very independent, apart from Wednesdays, when I would take my washing back to my mum to wash it. And on the way back from my mum's, I was on the top of a double-decker bus and um, just completely randomly just felt the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't an audible voice, but this sense of God saying to me, do you remember what this felt like? And that gives me goosebumps remembering mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and just this sense of, yeah, I do, this joy, this this joy that makes no sense. What am I doing? And I kind of mm. decided that someday I would kind of give my life back to the Lord. And, and then, yeah. And then I wanted to be a missionary. And so it's a bit disjointed my story here. what be a missionary, went away for a few months, came back, which schools pays. So. Mm.
2: Wow. You mentioned, uh, this is a oh, man. We're, we're bouncing around, but that's cool. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a teacher that built you up, built up your faith in God, and a teacher that yes didn't. Mm-hmm. What uh, can you give us a snapshot of both of those yeah. pictures? Like how
1: did they how did that work? So I learned um, a phrase I've been teaching every so obviously. I run this organization called the Pays Movement, and we have all these people that come on. And um, if there's can one you spell th- that the Pays Movement? Yeah, Pays P A I S. So it's a New Testament word. Greek word for child who serves the king pays movement. (laughs) So we have all these guys that we call apprentices, they come and do a free gap year. And um, one of the things I teach them is um, that our beliefs don't transfer, our passions do. So, and I learned that from these two teachers. They both taught the exact same curriculum. So in England, you have to teach the six world faiths. So if you're a religious education teacher, so Buddhism, Judaism, Islam. I should have started on this. <laughs> um, uh, Islam, one other, and Christianity, um, and they both taught that. And but they were both Christians. But one taught with absolute passion, and one just taught mm. knowledge. And the guy who taught with passion was the guy that just turned me on to Jesus. <laughs> you could tell he really believed it, mm. and um, and he was a bit crazy. He would he would, every every Friday. So in, in England, it's Friday night when you have youth group. Every Friday, he would take young people. He would meet them at school gates. And he would put them, if you couldn't fit in the car, he'd put them in the trunk of his car. So, mm-hmm. and, and just one way or another, you would get used to church, you know? And he was fantastic guy. So, yeah. crazy's so, good. Crazy good, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, what about... Um, now, you talked about discipleship on Sunday when you spoke at church. Um, and you... Kind of, it was almost like little teases that you couldn't didn't have time to go into about what that looks like and how how people probably have assumption of like making disciples is getting them to say the sinner's prayer or some Mm. version of that and Mm. then boom you're done Mm. you can check that box how how is that different or what what is it to you discipleship
1: so I we we teach on page we teach the three distinctives so a different approach to mission discipleship and study and with discipleship, I asked the question, why is it that we spend so much time educating people, hoping that they will have some kind of experience after we've educated them, whereas Jesus clearly took them on an experience and then educated them along the way. Mm-hmm. So that was the premise of, of what we think about is how do we educate people, sorry, how do we educate people after we take them on an experience? And I think that's the scary bit. Everybody, particularly seminaries and Bible colleges, they right. produce teachers, which is really important. So this is not experience versus education. It's just putting the horse before the cart. Um, so we what I, what I teased at and what I couldn't teach is um, we train everybody that we know in something called the flow. And it's a very simple template. So you decide um, the four steps. You experience it, question it, understand it, and then multiply it. So we think I'm going to teach somebody how to communicate. So I'm going to take them on experience. We're going to communicate together. We're going to whatever. We're going to preach together. And then afterwards, we're going to question it. What worked, what didn't work. And then we have this process of working out a principle. So one thing I've learned in the last 10 years that young people don't seem to be able to do anymore is figure out principles. I'm not sure we're training people how to think. We're just training what to think. Mm. And I think we need to train them how to think. So we take them on experience. We get them to question it. What worked, what didn't work. And then we have this simple method to help them figure out a principle. So we basically say, you know, what's the common denominator in all things that worked that is missing from the things that didn't work? And we figure out a principle. And then in the understand it, we get them to figure out how they would communicate that to somebody else. So there's an Arabic proverb that says to teach teachers to learn twice. So we get them to come up with a way of teaching it to others, and then and then they think about how they would then go and multiply it. So you have this little template that we take people through. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, the
0: experience thing is a huge, it's yeah. a huge thing in any in anything that yeah. you're doing. You have no idea what marriage is going to be like. Yeah. You have no idea what friendship or a life in in Christ is going to be. Um, and to walk that, yeah. you know, to experience because you, you, we jump into everything. I mean, naturally, you know, the things I mentioned, you jump into them naturally. Yes. And then uh, if you don't have really, if you don't have, um, a mentor or, or mm-hmm. sages that are, you know, by your side yes. or even seeking them out, you can get into a whole lot of trouble And
2: then life. ultimately doing it like Experiencing right. it, yeah. You can read all the books you want on marriage success and <laughs> all that stuff, but until you become a millionaire, <laughs> until you're in it, right?
0: The, yeah. Just any of the struggles and the questioning, uh, going through it and questioning is is can a huge. I open this for you. Is a huge oh, no, thing. Okay. Um, I just I loved I love hearing that that message um, experience at first because yeah. I mean, as a as a teacher and uh, having gone through, you know, school like everybody else, there's no experience. There's no, yeah. you will teach me math. You should have taken me to Lowe's or Home Depot. And, yeah, that'd be <laughs> yeah. amazing, wouldn't it, if you
1: did that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I love that. I love, I just, I saw your website. I went through your website, um, you know, forwards and backwards, and I'm like, so this really looks like, hey, sign up and we're going to yeah. walk you through this. Yeah, exactly. So what is the, sorry, what is the the gap year? Or was it, a, is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, so that's not an American tr- term, is it? We're trying to find a term that works globally. We can't find one. so oh, okay. But basically it's a year. So in Europe um, and Britain, two separate places, you need to understand that. <laughs> but, um <laughs> basically, we use this phrase "gap year" so a lot of young people will take a year out, okay, and they will travel the world or they will go and do something that's more something you know, go and work for the environment or something as a
0: representative of pace
1: yeah so okay. so we offer this um yeah exactly, so we put them in teams, we call them apprentices, okay, put them in a team, and they become schools and youth workers now they can do it in other areas now they can do it in business and they can also do it in college and church ministry, but predominantly they come uh, and we train them in youth ministry. So we have several hundred on it around the world um, in six different continents, so it's free. Their training's free, their, their accommodation is free. They just need to provide their own raise their own pocket money, and then we will give them a gap year, so we'll give them a year's experience, 11 months' experience, and we'll train them in mission, discipleship, and Bible study and they'll work as part of a team. They'll, go into, they'll work in a church, but they'll reach into schools, and they'll act as a relational bridge. Uh, how are you How are you doing
0: this? I mean, the do you have people everywhere around the world that are, are hosts? Or? Yes, exactly.
1: Really? Yes, yeah, so again, you go back to Luke 10, and um, Jesus sends out the disciples and says, stay with people, and that's what we do. So um, a church will say we would like a team, and the church will give some money towards pays, and we use that money to run the team. We don't really make much of a profit off it. Um, and then they will stay with with families in, in the church, sometimes for three months, sometimes for the entire 11 months. Right. And they'll work for the church. They'll be involved in youth ministry to support the youth pastor. They'll be there on Sundays. They'll be part of the life of the church. mm mm-hmm. Um but midweek, Monday to Friday, they'll be in the schools or preparing for schools or youth work. Yeah, as a team.
0: That's amazing. It's working
1: how, really well. How many how many people do you have a number right now of how many no, people I don't, are? I, there? It keeps changing because we have a, a August and a January intake. Um but it's in it's several hundreds, that's all I know, and it changes constantly. Right. And we're in thirteen nations. I think we're about to start our fourteenth nation. Will be South Africa, which will be next August. <laughs> Congrats!
2: <laughs> <Thank> wow. <you.
1: laughs>
2: yeah, so, another thing. Oh, you got yeah, something chambered? Go for it. <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to shift a little bit. Oh, if you have something along those lines,
1: go for it. I, I was just going to ask. I mean, you started in 92? two. Ninety two, I mean? yeah. So I started on my own in eighty eight, and then began. The, my next problem, if you like, was. How do we link all these young people that are interested in God into a church? Because I, I believe the local church is still the best place to disciple them. And we realized, hey, it's going to be relationship sets. We need a lot more of me, as one pastor said. Um, so we started Pays in September
0: 1992. Was it, were you, did you have another job?
1: Um, no, I'd, I, I was trained, so I left school, did retail management, Went to be a missionary, next stop, Papua New Guinea or Africa. Came Mm. back um, to Manchester and volunteered for my church because it was, I had this weird thing where I knew I wasn't supposed to get a job. Um, But at the same time, I got quite a strong work ethic. So I wanted to work for the church. And then it just, these doors opened up in schools and then it just it just carried on from there. So we're called the Pays Movement. Originally we were called Pays Project because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to last a year or two. And that was 25 years ago. And I thought my vision was for a team. I sent out this newsletter once to all the pastors in Manchester saying, I know this sounds ridiculous, but just imagine there could be five of us, five of us in North <laughs> Manchester, which of course is a joke now. It's nothing. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, because there's people that
0: they want to, they want to do what you're doing. Yes, I have. I have friends that attempted, uh, in somewhat, to do what you're doing, and it just. It, I have a, as as I listen to you, I'm thinking mm, they made the error of of pushing it on to people as opposed to building relationships it's first. Relationship, yeah. And I mean, I mean, once you realize someone cares about you, you'll yes, you'll do anything for yeah. them.
1: It's, it's interesting you say that because i think there's a general i think that we say schools work doesn't work in america because we have this idea of what schools work looks like which is basically sorry if i'm going off on one but no 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 no. do it yeah. basically i think what we do is we think we know what the school needs so we're going to go and find some rich businessman to sponsor it it's going to be some kind of team or curriculum we put a nice pretty bow on it we offer it to school the school says that's not really what we need and then depending on our denomination, we either bind the devil or go into politics.
2: <laughs> and, um,
1: and in reality, what we do on pays is we say it's not about a program, it's about the people. So we train our guys to respond to what school needs. So we don't say to them, here's a curriculum, see if the school wants it. We, we train them as a team and you go to school, so a teacher like yourself say, hey, what's the need in school right now? Is there anything we could teach or help you with kind of just just kind of come in as you know a lot of young people um you know 21 18 20 they're going to reinforce what you're saying but on the common common values and the school says well we've got an issue with i don't know peer pressure or kids have no hope great we'll do a lesson on hope for you are there any stats any facts you want us to teach yeah here's some great we'll do that our teams are trained to then within a day figure out a lesson they It'd be really creative, really fun. Go back to the school, say what the school is saying, but add in their own passion, because it's passion that transfers. Kids will ask some questions. They'll respond, give them a little bit more about their own faith. And as we say in England, Bob, your uncle. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. And that's what happens, yeah. Hey, where does that come from, Bob's your uncle? I have no idea. <laughs> Probably not Jesus. But <laughs> yeah. That, that's, Google that, it.
0: That's funny you asked that question. It's like in England, we don't know where it came from. In America, we're like, well, it came from England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything came from England in America. Go back. Kids, see that flag? See those colors? Yep, there you go.
2: <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask about was, um, I don't remember exactly what you said on Sunday, but it was re- regarding kids and how we can kind of like Fence the kids in and protect oh, yes. kids. Yeah. Um, and with I have an eight and ten year old, and so kind of navigating that space right now, mm. where as they grow up, you know, how do we, how do we navigate that period and and prepare them for mm. all the um, diversity of thought and ideas and stuff like that that, that they're going to hear. And I'm not so, I'm not so much worried about that, but it's more like retroactively from for me. The way I grew up, it was like, "This is what the Bible means mm. uh, on passage X, Y, and Z, and this is how you to interpret it. And mm. if you're outside of that, then you're in danger of, mm. you know, the slippery slope and all that okay. stuff." But so, what do we do with kids? Like, w- I'm trying to frame this question well. Um, preparing adults, preparing their kids for the future. Like, how do we? prepare versus protect and, um, I don't know. Do you count, Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I'm yeah. not phrasing yeah. this
1: well. So, so go I, ahead and jump in and re- save me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll repeat basically what I said on yeah. Sunday, if that's okay, that's which fine, is, yeah. which is what we've got to do is we've got to stop protecting our kids and help, help them improve their faith yeah. rather than protect their faith. So I discovered this or kind of got this revelation, whatever this thought came to mind on the plane when we emigrated to America and um, I think it's 83% of young people who go to church as high school students will stop going to church in America, this is, by the end of the first year of college. I believe it's because we've protected their faith too much. So I was reading the story of David, who, facing Goliath, discards Saul's armor. In the Sunday school version, it's because it's too big. But if in, if you study the scripture, it's because he says, I've not proven it. I don't mm-hmm. know if it works. And he goes to something he does know that works. He's killed the bear and the lion with. Mm -hmm. I believe, my personal belief is that as we're growing our young people, where they're going to college, they're facing questions they've, they've been protected from. They're facing temptations they've been protected from. And nobody's held their hand and showed them how to navigate through that. They've just been educated. So they get to college. They've got a load of cliches that don't work in the real world. And um they discard the religion. Doesn't mean they give up on the faith or the faith of Jesus, but they, they get rid of this kind of religious armor they've been given. Mm. And the problem is they've got nothing that they've mm. proven works. And I think we've got to find ways of helping our young people prove their faith. So as they're growing up, take them on experiences where they see God show up. So I didn't I, I had phenomenal parents, but they weren't professing Christians. So I, I, so I had to kind of figure this out as as I went on. And my mm-hmm. wife's the same, but my wife and I, we'd have Christian parents, really good parents, while well, well I did, and she had a great mum. But we, we had to kind of figure this out. And what we realised was when you look at Jesus, he took these young kids, I think I said on Sunday, so I don't believe this, but some Messianic scholars will say, there's a possibility that the youngest disciple was eight years old. I don't believe that. <laughs> I think they were between 14 and 20 probably. Um, but he, he took them to some crazy places. C- Caesarea Philippi. That place was, I mean, I didn't want to say this on Sunday, but you had, they were, these were people who had sex with animals. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, Pat, they're the worshiping the goat God Pan. He takes them there to literally a place that's literally called the gates of Hades. And basically says, I'm going to build my church with these kind of people. And he takes them on experiences and they, you know, by the time he's dead, resurrected and, and gone, um, they've got stories and they know God's real. They've seen God in action. So when they're facing situations that nobody's educated them in, they have principles and they know God exists. Um, So I backslid, um, not because I lost my faith, because I just wanted to do stuff I shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, Praise God, both my sons are following Jesus now. They're 23 and 21, but they've got stories, you know. Now, funny enough, my eldest son who works with me on pays said to me the other week, I don't know many Bible verses and I don't know, you know, I wouldn't win a Bible quiz, but he's got stories. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I, I don't think he would ever re- deny the existence of mm-hmm. God. He's seen God work. He's, he's, his faith has been proven, I think. So. And
2: how many of the disciples could have won a Bible quiz? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> that was a diverse group of people too. Oh my oh, goodness, yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. 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 When I really like crystallized that and think about that, uh,
1: how Jesus rolled, it was. It's really interesting where Jesus went to get his disciples as well. And most Christians don't this, but he went to something called the Orthodox Triangle. So um, he didn't go to, to Beth which was nearby. He didn't go to Nazareth. There was around about two hundred people living in Nazareth at the time of Jesus. Probably about eight to ten extended families. Don't get any of his disciples from there. Don't go to Beth Shan or a place called Zipporah, or Zephyrus, Zephyrus which was the biggest city nearby, it's where Jesus' mother probably came from. And that's a bustling city. There's libraries between these two cities, Beshan and Zipporah's libraries. There's athletes, there's politicians in Zipporah. It's an administrative centre. Don't go there at all. He heads north, goes to the north shore of um, Galilee. The Orthodox triangle is between uh, Bethsaida, Capernaum, and Chorazin—it gets all his disciples from there, and we think that's because this is where the people who were seeking out the kingdom of God were. So I, sometimes in winter, I go to um, Steamboat Springs, uh, Steamboat mm-hmm. Springs, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's where like if you want to be a uh, winter Olympic athlete, there, where you go there for the best coaches. If you want to advance the kingdom of God, and you want to—that's where you went. The Orthodox Triangle, so just goes there. And he goes for the radicals. That's what he's going for. He's going for the hard men. You know, he chooses five. I think it's five of the fishermen Five of the disciples were fishermen. I think it was. So you think about that's like it's like Jesus coming to California and choosing five oil riggers or firemen. He's got something in mind that he's looking for, mm-hmm. and I think he's looking for tough guys that are gonna are gonna do the tough things that he knows that is ahead of them. And the people who are seeking the kingdom of God, they're not happy with the the way things are. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for subversives. Yeah. That's so good. I
0: would have said sixth grade school teachers instead of firemen, but that's
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. It was just too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Men
2: in uniform. Wait, so what where were you where were you going, Zach earlier? Oh no, I no direction, just things that cross the mind I mean oh, okay. I think I don't know I thought you were going
0: to shift gears
2: no. no I didn't shift enough for you I love this I love the stories about um, I love digging into the actual context as best as possible mm. to what was going on because yes. I think especially in America and I was actually going to ask you about America versus England oh, Christianity don't. well I was going to have you choose sides and say which is superior <laughs> No, but um, in America, I think Christians are j- very generally spoiled because we've had it so good for so long. And when you really think about how the early church grew and what they were dealing with, it just it just pales, pales mm-hmm. in comparison. So
1: hearing that context is awesome. Mm. I kind of feel like I'm back from the future. That's what yeah. I felt when I got here, because I got here 12 years ago. Yeah. And there were discussions, I'm thinking, hang on, I remember this from years ago. So, you know, mm. the things we were talking about in the church right. when I got to Texas, I'm thinking, well, we we've had these conversations, we we've been through all this. And it was it was kind of yeah. weird, you know. So But I think what um what I love about America, and I really love this about California, is it is there's still a sense of adventure. So um for me in England, as as kind of a visionary in England, you're trying to I feel, and my friends in England are kill me for this, but I think you people are pretty cynical. If you say, "Hey, we could do this," there's a sense of suspicion. Well, who are you to think you can make a difference? Who are you to put yourself on a pedestal? Who are you to mm. champion something? You know, mm-hmm. it's um, and there's a kind of like um, an, a little bit of a small-minded negativity. That's not true of everybody. Else. It's a huge generalization, right? So in England, as a visionary, you try to convince people we can do this and God can do this, you know. When I came to America, it was like the opposite. It was like, hey, we could do it. Yeah, we could do it. And it was like, I couldn't believe that. Wow, Whoa, yeah, everybody, you know, and I thought this is amazing. But what I found out was, what I realized was that people have not thought through what it's going to cost as much, which kind of eh, mm. pertains a little bit to what you were saying. So, yeah. you know, everybody's on board. I, almost in America, everybody's looking for a hero. We want somebody who's going to champion the cause. We'll get behind you. We'll support you. But I'm not sure everybody's thought through what it's actually going to cost to make this happen. So people don't follow through as much. People get. It seemed to me people get more excited. It's easy to excite people. But over here, what I've found about, what I've found I've ended up doing is spend a lot more time trying to explain, it's going to cost us. We're going to end up going through this. This is the process. Are you mm-hmm. really ready for this? So almost over here, I'm trying to put people off whereas in England, trying to turn them on to it. Does that yeah. make sense? I don't know yeah. if that makes sense or not. So. Yeah, D- different approaches. Uh, yeah, it's different approaches, yeah. It's
0: funny. When uh, I was in Sweden, seeing some friends that used to live here um, a month or two ago, and he said, uh, nobody has an entrepreneurial spirit. It's just, there's it's not, there's nothing there. So he's... Here? Or no, 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 in Sweden. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and And he's... Uh, I mean, he's looking at these properties and he's starting, mm-hmm. he's got a business and um, that he started here, but he's like out on the the lake. I mean, it's just a thousand lakes out there and it's just glass mm-hmm. um, and people, oh, we saw you out there, uh, you know, out on the water. And he's like, well, why don't you Come out, and they're like, Oh no, just sit at home and and uh he's got this place he's he's looking to buy and have his business move in there and um and like nobody wants it. It's like, mm. why would nobody want it? Mm. It's like in the middle of the city, it's like uh nobody really everybody's happy with their nine to five or All whatever right. it is, and they just come home and and they're fine, and I'm thinking, I'm telling you. if if you had one of those properties sitting anywhere in America, especially by water, it's gone, <laughs> yeah, and it's right, going to yeah. be gone that's for true. a whole lot of money. Yeah, um, because people have that spirit here. They've been here since the beginning of you know the country.
1: I know. I I really love that. Especially, I found it more the case in California when I've come here on vacation. There's that kind of entrepreneurial? I love that. Yeah.
0: So. Mm. Just got to be careful. The balance of of business and making it and, you know, family. And Mm. I mean, there's a, there's a huge struggle. Uh, there's a huge struggle there. Um, and it's probably elsewhere around the world, but in America more so, it's just people are striving and striving. Um, and not, then you
2: lose that connection with the community because you don't, you don't want to have to rely on other people. So you're, it's very individualistic.
0: You can get get isolated quickly. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. And relationships, like you said, they're huge. They're the most important thing. And you're trying to hold people, hold on to people. It's like right. you're spinning plates with people. It's like I got to get back to, right. I got to get back to Paul
1: and you know see how he's doing. And that's true. I found that people are very busy, but with lots and lots and lots of different things. Ninety mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. of it's worthless. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's, it's, well. Uh, One of the uh, things we've been teaching, I've been teaching our guys when it comes to vision, is, is try not to think of vision as a target, but a theme, because a theme is everywhere. So my theme is I make missionaries. So that's true of my family as much as it is paid. Yeah. And I think a theme's more authentic than a target in my mind. That's the way my mind works, at least. So It'll allow I mean, you to move and change and adapt more than. Yeah oh, no, we're
2: we're off. We're going to miss that mark that we right. set, and right. we, then all hell's going to break loose.
1: Right. It stops you as well. I think it stops you getting a vision of vision. Some people get very excited, but what they're excited about is the vision mm-hmm. as opposed to a vision of God sometimes, if that makes sense. So I noticed that years ago, so I'm very observational, but I noticed that I would make, meet some youth pastors who Friday night in England, Wednesday night here, would be absolutely full-on, crying begging kids to come to know the lord but their next door neighbor didn't even know they were christian mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the, about this vision they're really they've got a vision of a vision as opposed to just a vision of god i think you've a vision of god it permeates everything you do i think yeah that's
2: uh
0: you just made me feel really guilty <laughs> 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 i'm like oh there's a neighbor that i haven't talked to you know you're yeah All jeff right. you're pretty good i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Je-
2: Jeff will be running on the beach and then see a homeless guy and like, oh, this is the guy I'm talking to today. Wow, and that's then, cool. Well, at least you've done that before. How has that been going? It goes. Yeah. You just stop wherever. Yeah. Stop wherever the spirit stops you. All right. That's not going to support your arm. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: so you do have you do have these books that you've written. How many yes. books have you written? <laughs> I laugh. Because, There's at least three of them on the table. Yeah,
1: at- i look, I've written, I'm working on six, so I've written five. Okay. Um, but I've rewritten three of them. So I feel like I've written eight, but five, yeah, five books. Yeah.
0: It's all right. We just talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago. He's like, I wrote 310 pages and then I threw it away. Like, yeah. Mm, that's, yeah. That's the life of an author telling a story.
1: Oh, my goodness, that's true. Yeah,
0: takes a while. So what was your... What was the... Or what are your most recent
1: books so I have two trilogies uh, The fi- not okay. fictional but I have two trilogies ones um, the one I'm writing now is part of the third part of what I call the ancient trilogy so these are three books about how Jesus did it uh, mission discipleship and study so with mission I ask the question why is it we spend so much of our time um, effort and money inviting people when Jesus spent so much of his getting himself invited. Um, Yeah. He was getting himself invited all the time. Yeah. It's not that you don't invite people, but getting yourself invited is a lot more powerful. When you're on their turf and they've invited you, that's what we do in schools. And then you tell the gospel, that is Mm -hmm. so much more powerful than when you tell it in a a church. So looking at that, spread spots they send. And then with discipleship, we've already talked about kind of flipping the experience before Mm -hmm. education And then Bible study, which is a whole thing of, I think we've got Bible study completely back to front the way we do it. So I've been, uh, these books, one's called, the one right now is called Shalom, which is about spread, spots, stay, send, mission. Um, How do we bring mission in a way that's peaceful as opposed to polarizing? So I'm looking on social media right now and it just seems like people are throwing bricks at everybody else at the moment. Yeah. Where's the conversation? It's weird, everybody's right. (laughs) it's <laughs> amazing I mean. exactly yeah. incredible 100 so let's think about how did jesus do mission how did he get himself invited i think the church has lost the art of getting itself invited we don't get invited to the party anymore so how do we rediscover that mm. um and then with with discipleship how do we discover what is discipleship and then bible i won't go into that now because it's a bit complicated but the bible story one uh, sorry bible study you took about context. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we teach people how to think, not just what to think? Mm-hmm. So how do we help them pull from the Bible as opposed to just push the Bible onto them? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's one trilogy. And then the other trilogy is all about um, if you're somebody who wants to advance the kingdom of God, where does vision come from? That's one book called um, Kingdom Pioneering. How do we pioneer kingdom principles? is a book about um, how do you develop the character of the kingdom and in Kingdom Patterns is how do you find direction. So it's a bit of a weird book because like, it's got diagrams in it, which is odd. So it's recognising the journey we're on and how God leads us. So I think we ask the wrong questions. when We ask questions like, what am I supposed to do and where am I supposed to go? And uh, to talk about how do you really discover God's will. So.
2: So. Wow. Sounds easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Wow, awesome. Greatest greatest challenges over the last twenty five years? Good question. Um Christians <laughs> to be honest with you. Um I think that's good. We partner with churches. Um so Pays is is odd in it's all about partnership. Partner with schools on joint objectives, partner with churches on joint objectives. Um our biggest challenge has been when we partner with churches that want to control what we do and what, what's done. So I think it was Rick Warren who said God can do anything through a man who doesn't care who gets the credit. Right. And I think um, we try and do things with blurred edges. So is it the church? Is it pays? No, it's all one thing. It's the mm-hmm. word of the kingdom. And I think that's been the biggest challenge has been been, been finding people with that mindset.
2: Is, it mo- is that mostly from churches that are hyper concerned about specific doctrines or
1: where, where you stand on certain issues? Sometimes. And I think, you know, in England, denominationalism's kind of died, but the new thing is net networks or brands brands of churches. So I think sometimes it's been denominationalism as in doctrines, but now I think it's it's more brands. People want it has to be their logo, has to be their brand, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's been a bit a little bit difficult.
2: Interesting. Time. So generally, then, this is where I'm going to get you in trouble. Probably not. Um, generally what, obviously I'm asking you to speak very broadly, um, which isn't entirely fair, but what, what are, how are American churches hung up? What are some things that we're hung up on and we see as super important that you just would like to say, Hey, that's not that it's not as important as you think it is.
1: Oh, I don't know. That is a good question, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm the guy to answer that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, we're hung up on stuff. I think we're just, maybe, I'm saying we, because I'm an American. I now. was
2: just going to say, you're saying, I'm a are citizen. Are you an, a citizen? Yeah, I'm a are you dual citizen? citizen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, nice. that's whole
1: story. I got kicked out of America for months, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, I think we're just narrow-minded. I think there's a lot, it's a lot broader. Um, I'm not talking about necessarily theology, necessarily, but certainly our methodology. Mm-hmm. And I think um, if we could, if we could get a little at this is such a cliche, but if we could get a little bit closer to what Jesus actually did. So I, I feel like we're closing. So let me end with this. Oh, maybe we're not, I don't know, but I really like the concept of the, remember the, what would Jesus do band? I was just thinking about that today. Well, yeah. Yes. So I really love the concept, but not the question. Right. Cause if you said to me, what would Jesus do? My first question would be which Jesus, your Jesus, your Jesus or my yeah. Jesus. Because my Jesus reflects my thoughts, um, and I think a slightly not a perfect que- answer question, but a slightly better question would be, "What did Jesus do?" Mm-hmm. And I think we can get back to that like a little bit more. Certainly, with mission discipleship and study, I think we'd find we got a few things back to front. Mm-hmm. And um, but I'm not saying that's just the American church. I think that's the church. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I could find a difference in in, in the way you phrase the question between the two types. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Everything is the more you dig into the life of Jesus, it feels like everything is just upside down. Yeah. from what you want to do, or what I want to do, yeah. or how the church generally in America does yeah. things, it's it, it's like we're we
1: are experts in missing the point. Yeah, <laughs> so, and that's context again. I think um, yeah, without you know when we don't know Jesus' context, we we miss his point the more we can understand this context, the better it is. Yeah. So we got churches, that we got schools in, I can't get my mind around this and I'm heading up. We, <laughs> we've got, we've got schools in Pakistan, in Islamabad. I mean, think about the name Islamabad complaining to us that we're not approached their school yet. Because when we do it the Jesus way, it works. It just works. Now it may, all hell may break loose when we do it, Yeah. but we are getting invited. Mm. Um. So it's just, it's stripping away and thinking, okay. Just if I, if I if I didn't listen to what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. and I just looked at what Jesus did, what would I actually look like? And and I, don't, I, I don't think I don't think I'm doing that perfectly, but I think it's no. It's you one did. Of my,
2: you said that. You said that multiple times. You're you're the example everybody should follow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody needs
0: to talk like me. That's pretty. That's pretty. I don't know if the right word is profound, but you know, to have an area. School from that neck of the woods, you know, saying, Hey, yeah, why don't you come to us? Yeah, that's saying something mm.
2: it goes back to you saying get invited.
1: It's all about getting invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: do you have a practical so for the average? So I'm on this cul de sac with these houses. What would getting invited, what would first steps to getting invited as opposed to doing the inviting? We're so actually
1: like? writing the book on this right now. <laughs> So, so it's I'm fresh and easy well it's more it's more it helps me I, i'm i i learn by speaking it out it helps yeah. me pro- so i think i'm i'm talking about, about spreading but again I, know, I keep going about experience but what experience of the kingdom of god can we offer people where they are as opposed to bringing it to where we are so i think that's the first step is so for instance right now we just moved into a community in texas and um, it's a, it's an odd community. It's a bit of an experiment, the way they've set it up. But there's so there's a lake and there's a beach. So we're thinking, what different things could we do where people experience God without having to come into church first, but they still know it's Jesus? Mm-hmm. So healing on the beach. We're going to probably put some flags up on the beach that just simply say healing. And we'll just use nextdoor.com, which is big where we are, which is like a social media for a community. And just mm-hmm. say, if you want any kind of healing or prayer, sit on a chair. They do this in Northern Ireland. Sit on a chair and we'll pray for you. They don't have to be Christians. We're not promoting our particular church. We believe one way or another they'll experience God. Even if they don't get healed, they'll probably experience something of God. Mm. Um, and that's for us. When people experience God, they want they want to invite you into the home. They want to find out more about what is it as I just experienced which is kind of why I came to the Lord. You know, I was listening to a guy; I could feel something, and I wanted to find out what what more of, of this, what what more is there. Mm. So it's giving people some kind of experience, I think. So, so like we got a few little packs. So one my, I saw this in somebody's house, and I thought this would be good. Is if we set set up prayer posts, so some kind of post in the park. we can see if can get permission, where people anonymously, even if they say they hate God without nobody knowing in the middle of the night, can pop a prayer request knowing that people are gonna pray for them. Interesting. Mm. How can we how can we help people experience God? How can we take what's inside the church so people can experience it outside of the church? Because if they do experience God, then they'll invite us. And if we can build on joint objectives. So I'm still thinking this through, so it may not sound as clear cut, but that's basically what I'm thinking through right now.
2: Awesome
0: it's like you took the roots of when you were a kid and it just moved through and just came out yeah this way but just in the adult world and but i mean it doesn't need to be adult it's just this vision of how do you connect and how do you create a crossroads mm. for people to to That's meet Jesus
2: word.
1: yeah
0: and you've done it <laughs> well we're doing it we're working on yeah. it yeah uh, but i mean it's one step at a time it's it's and there is no end point there is no starting point it's just to do it yeah. It's, a, yeah it's a sweet sweet thing to be in those places
1: yeah it is exciting it sounds
0: yeah I, I'm like ready to leave now <laughs> <laughs> six consonants
1: ga- I'm ready for my gap year right go, yeah. what would be a good word in America to use Cause like internship yeah internship yeah. I think
2: gap year is used
0: I mean, gap. If it, it, when I saw it, I thought void. Like we're gonna, like, you know, we'll fill the void for you um, okay. for this year. That's kind of like gap here. Okay,
1: yeah. right huh? Yeah, We we use that. We change it because interns right. generally it's they're untrained and they'll just do anything. Whereas when our guys are coming, they're coming with the purpose and training. But otherwise, it's exactly you're right. It's an internship, basically. It's yeah. That's tough when you're worldwide and you're trying to figure out one it word. It is, mate, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much next to impossible. It is, yeah, it is, yeah. So can I do a quick advert? Yeah. Can I ask people to go to the website? It's um, com, And then, yeah, we do um, free gap year internships, whatever you want to call them, free training, free accommodation, 18 and over, We're looking for people to help us start new nations as well. So I think it's, I mean, having seen the website, it's, it's really
0: simple. It's just a clean look and it's engaging and I'm not joking. Zach, you're looking at me like, come on now. I'm like, man, if I didn't have my, well, maybe I'll just take my whole family. (laughs) We'll go we'll go do
1: this. But it's <laughs> Well, we need someone to help us um, pioneer pays in Canada, so I'm not going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so one step too far. No, is weird, I go but to Sweden. I go to Africa. I go to have a bad no, not fine. No. Not Canada. No, I can't
0: I mean I can't I can't think that it's not possible even I just think of the people that are uh, at our church that are in their, you know, twenty something, early twenties. Oh, yeah. I mean There's people there that are, they're on fire and they Mm. want to be involved and they, you know, they, they may or may not have been at church on, on Sunday when you were there. But, Mm. um, I guess that's one thing that we need to continue doing is, is kind of have a consistent propping up of like what we've been doing and what we Mm. are doing and what we will be doing, um, Because people like you come through, you know, once a year and, you know, and then you're gone Mm. and the message is gone. So it's got to be somehow, hey, we're carrying on. Now it's going to be
2: out out there forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, those books,
1: I don't know if you left any of the books they all sold out actually are you serious yeah they all sold out so in fact i sold some i wasn't supposed to sell i was supposed to to, i've already i sold some i actually found out i'd already sold so um but yeah but the book um, was talmudim so how to disciple anyone and anything yes and then the the bible study version of that is called havarim how to study anything with anyone so if anybody's interested beginning i'm on amazon or kindle so and those words
2: aren't words you're just making up, right? Those no, mean yeah, Ta-
1: Talmud, yeah, that'd be good though, <laughs> wouldn't it? a came up with words. Talmudim is the uh, Hebrew word for disciples, and havarim is the word, Hebrew word for friends who study together. So again, Jesus studied the Bible very differently from the way we do it nowadays. Mm-hmm. I won't go into that now, but yeah. oh,
2: that's a can of worms I really want to go <laughs> into right now. <laughs> so, that's all right. Well, yeah, you've been awesome with your time and and your wife is floating around waiting to grab you. So, But real quick, uh, better beer over there or over here?
1: Oh, my. I don't know. I like the beer here, but my favorite beer is still a Manchester beer. It's called Boddington's. Oh, yeah. Yep. We get that here, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the pub uh, ale. Or yeah. Pub, not, well, the real not, tagline for that was the cream of Manchester. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, look that on it. That makes sense. Yeah, you should look on the old um they used to have some really cool adverts for it. Yeah. If you Google the old adverts, Boddington's beer. That's awesome. Yeah. Manchester. It's got
2: that that nitrous charge in it. When you over here at least, when you open that can, yeah. it's just so creamy. Yeah, it's, it's so creamy, good. Yeah. 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 Have you had Boddingtons? Yeah. I have. It's not hoppy. No, but it's not hoppy. It's great. It's a good beer. Yeah. California everybody it's a little hop obsessed. And I'm I guilty like of it too. Fun. I like I'm it. I'm guilty of it, but
1: and Wheat bear, I like Wheat Beer as well. <sighs> but Bodinson remains my favorite. So. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, yeah. Paul, thank you so much for your no, time. No, no, it was
1: really nice to speak to you guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you.
2: Enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah. Braving a stranger's <laughs> house, strange area.
1: <laughs> On vacation, no less. Uh, no Disneyland for you? Nope. No yeah. Disneyland, no. Done some good snorkeling and been in the waves, though. It's a bit flat right now, though. Yeah. How Can long you serve? You- yeah. Well, bodyboard now with the fins and stuff. How long too are you long here? To serve. Nice. Pardon? How long are you here? Um we've been here about a week and a half I think and now go back and then so basically what's happened was I had a few speaking engagements mm. but my dad was coming from England so I thought I'd take him on a bit of a road trip for so the three of us my wife and my dad so Nice. He wants to go to Vegas. <laughs> I don't awesome. know why, he's not really a Vegas kind of guy, but he wants to go to Vegas, so we're going to go to Vegas on That's the way kind back. Of where mm-hmm.
2: Jesus uh, said he was building his kingdom. So. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he well, we talked about Land Sunday, didn't he? Yeah, you mentioned
1: that.
2: <laughs> I was listening. Yeah. yeah, there you go. We joked earlier about me checking oh, my man. fantasy football scores during service, but I was listening.
1: Now, when you said football...
2: I mean the real kind, American football. Uh, Is that offensive to you when I say that? No longer. Yeah. You we're winning you over or corrupting you, depending on the perspective. I'm
1: just tuned out. Yeah. Did you grow up a footy player at all? Yeah. well, We did as an English. Okay. We call it um, jumpers for goalposts. to your wife, too. That was goalpost. her. Feel
2: free to... I don't know. We're kind of wrapping up. I don't want to keep yeah, you I from Yeah, I think it was.
1: But, yeah.
0: well,
2: you, were we're, talk, we're you
0: were talking about... Um, you know, getting, getting like the hard men, um, you know, to do that, do the work. And, uh, I think it was when I was, I played college soccer many, many moons ago. And we watched the, uh, video before some of the games called the 12 hard men of soccer. Oh yeah. And Vinny Jones was, um, uh, one of the players. And Vinnie this was just like three or four years ago. And I'm, and this is down in Mexico. I'm on vacation and I'm, I'm sitting. It's late afternoon. Everybody's pretty much gone except these two guys, and they're got really thick accents. And I'm, and I turn, and I'm literally sitting right next to Vinnie Jones. And, oh, seriously? Yeah. Cool. And uh, just, just we start chatting for thirty seconds, and then my uh, any uh, um, not so um, sober friend comes by and goes, "Oh, who yeah. are you talking to?" And then he left. I'm like, "Well, oh, thank you." That, anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> that yeah. was that was my moment, but yeah. now he's in i loved, uh, I loved watching those uh, the soccer videos, well, football videos of him just literally one second in the game and just cleats up kneecap or something like that. He has like he had one of the records for the fastest red card. <laughs> oh my goodness, anyway, yeah, what a stupid question. Do you play soccer football
2: <laughs> that is well, do you play soccer is the stupid question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey thank you so much guys I appreciate yes, thank it. Thank you. So, That's good. Appreciate it.